It's weird because every class, specifically every classroom that I teach is different. Because the makeup of the class is different. Some classes, yeah, it is. Oof. But some classes, it's not even close to that. And the students are there. A lot of times we'll build each other up. Good. Right? It's all about the community. And I think that if anything, it's always the, the classes that I have the most difficulty with are the ones where there's not enough people that are part of the community. Hello and welcome to Here in L.A., San Pedro edition. Today we talk with Christian Lazoda. Christian is a native Angelino and a teacher who lives in Pedro with his beautiful wife and two super cool dogs. He teaches English comp at LA Harbor College where he is tenured, but secretly he is a Charles Bukowski expert. So prepare to hear us yap it up about LA's greatest poet and writer, who also lived and worked in Mike Watts' corner of town. Pull up a stool and welcome Christian Lazoda. Hey, everybody. We are kind of in San Pedro. <laughs> we're the opposite of San Pedro. We're East Pedro. <laughs> uh, today, we're going to talk about San Pedro with Christian. Good morning. Christian, what's your last name? Lozada. Lozada. Is that Italian? No, it's not. It's Filipino by way of Spain. Or you, Spain by way of the Filipino. Philippines. Half Filipino. Yeah, yeah. Half Filipino, half what? White. Like white, white. Your dad was in the military? Uh, no, my, my dad's the Filipino one. So Buck's the usual, like, you know. Hi. <laughs> your, your mom? My mom is white. Uh, Went to the Philippines. Saw no, a handsome no, guy he, standing oh. there. Man, I'm going to tell all the dirt now. <laughs> Uh, so my dad came over here, uh, met a very young and impressionable white girl and was like, Hey, I'm a widower. I got these two kids that I'm raising. Um, like, you know, you're like, I love you. Like, let's get married. So they get pregnant with me. Uh, and, and so they're together. So you're the love child. I'm the love child. I'm the love child. Turns out my dad wasn't a widower. <laughs> he left your he left his ex-wife yeah he left his ex-wife uh, in the philippines uh and he came over with this idea so oh i'm gonna did, did he bring those kids too yeah he like he my mom he's like I, he one of the first things he asked my mom he's like will you raise these kids yeah and she's like yeah no she loves kids where did they uh where where did he make this incredible deal uh long beach Long Beach, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So were you born in Long Beach? Uh, yeah, Long Beach Memorial. How about that? Yeah. How'd you make your way to Pedro? Uh, it was basically trying to buy a house, and it's the only place that I could afford. And so it's this weird, we don't live there anymore, but it's this weird 701 square foot house <laughs> on a hill. Uh, so like the, the street level, you would go upstairs uh, to the house. On a street with two dead ends. Wow. Yeah. A weird location. So it's like this weird three-way so street. So it's like a T. You, yeah. You drive into it. To the left is your cul-de-sac. Ish. I'm like right in the middle of it. But yeah, there's one weird cul-de-sac and then another literal dead end underneath Gaffey Street Bridge. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So you bought this house when? Uh, oh, 2000... Uh, 12 or no, sorry, 2002. Like it's pretty early. 2002. You, do you still live in Pedro? Yeah, yeah. So you sold that, got a different one. Uh, kept that, rented it to my brother-in-law. Hey now. Yeah. I'm a real estate mogul now. <laughs> you, you almost have to be these days. Plus if you can get in 20 years ago into the market. Yeah. But I mean, I'm not a good real estate person. I was like, Hey, uh, we will rent this house to you. Just pay the mortgage on it. And then when we pull equity out, if ever, we'll kick back a couple bucks with you. Just take care of the house. Take care of the house. We'll keep gaining value. Everybody wins on this. Like, we're giving you, you know. Yeah, so. I have said, I believe on this podcast, Filipinos are the nicest people in the world. I've heard you say that. <laughs> you You're say kind that. of proving it. <laughs> I, for growing up, because, you know, I grew up, uh, little bit of Long Beach, a little bit of Compton, mostly in Orange County. So mostly white people. My mom, I love my mom very much. She's from the South. She is racist. Meh. My dad's a self-hating Filipino. So <laughs> oh 
growing up, I one, I'm like, no, I am a white guy. Yeah, I might be half Filipino, but I'm really white. <laughs> and like he like one of the things that reinforced that was, you know, is the Filipinos in my family. I love my family very much, but we're not all the nicest people. <laughs> like it's just a bad batch of Filipinos. We're a bad batch of But but you got the good genes. Uh, yeah, I learned. I'm like, no, Filipinos are nice. Like when I met others that are not part okay. of my family. This this is how nice you are. You guys drove all the way here to East Hollywood from San Pedro. I was, when uh, you sent me that email, like, he's like, I could come out to you or, you know, you come out here. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to be nice and, and I'll go out to him because he's interviewing me. But then afterwards, listening to your podcast a bunch of times, I'm like, oh, he should have come out here. But I was also too polite to say, hey, you know, you should come out here. All right. Note to everybody else out there. If, if for some reason we do an email and you want to be a guest on here, if you really want me to come to you, I'll come to you. <laughs> Be only because I want to see more of the city. This podcast is is to educate everybody else, but also kind of educate me. And I've been to Pedro accidentally on Uber rides, and I got the hell out of there because it's so far away from where I live that often I just need to get out. Because yeah. I also feel uncomfortable driving in neighborhoods I don't know because – not that I'm scared, but I just don't want to make weird mistakes yeah. and take wrong turns on double dead ends. <laughs> so, again, I Christian, thank you so much for coming yeah, out here. Yeah, not a problem. It's very nice of you. Also, the wrong turns, it's for us, we, we call it Pedro. <laughs> not Pedro. Oh, I, am I calling it Pedro? Yeah, you're calling it Pedro. Oh, Pedro. Yeah, we'll get mad. Okay. I'm, I'm a transplant, so I'm like, it works for me. Like, you're being more... Uh, this is a great lesson. <laughs> more tolerant of, you know, racism. <laughs> Speaking of lessons, what do you do for a living, sir? Uh, I am a college professor at L.A. Harbor College. Nice. Yeah. What? Where is L.A. Harbor? Uh, it's in Wilmington. Is there a harbor in Wilmington? Yeah. Uh, so L.A., the port of L.A., uh, yeah. the mouth of it is in Pedro, but the bulk of it is, is in Wilmington. Huh. Yeah. Wilmington is next to Compton, though. No? I think, ooh, I don't know city lines. Okay, I don't Carson would be the bigger budding up. So Carson and then Compton. Does does Carson touch water? Uh, no, I don't believe so. It, so it Wilmington might, like, touch, does. Like, the, okay, yeah. so yeah. there's a Harvard City College. Yeah. And you're the professor. Yeah. Where did you uh, study yourself? Uh, Cal State Long Beach. Oh, nice. Yeah. So you've always been kind of down there. I'm always in that area. Yeah. That's, I was in Long Beach yesterday. Oh, really? And uh, yeah, I took a rich guy from his uh, crash pad in Hollywood and Highland. Uh, this was like seven o'clock in the morning. Drove him to his real house in Long Beach, right on the water. And I got to tell you, Long Beach is sneaky nice. There's some good places down there. There are. So if it's on the water, you're talking like Belmont Shore or Naples. Probably. Oh, yeah. 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 Naples is really nice. All I know is there was a Dunkin' Donuts and a Jack in the Box nearby. Ooh, that's like 7th Street? And I was very happy. Yeah. <laughs> At that hour. Uh, so happy. Okay. So you spent a lot of your time down there. Uh, you live in Pedro. 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 Just remember it. P. Yeah. P-ing. Yeah. I'm 14 deep down. <laughs> and you work in Wilmington. How how long is that commute? Uh, I bike it. I ride a bicycle there. So Ooh. it's like 30 minutes by bike. By car, it's 10. From doorstep to doorstep, it's 10 minutes. Are you a hippie deep down? I've become one, yeah. Yeah. But riding your bike, how great is that? It's pretty sweet. Is it safe? Ish. <laughs> it's safe-ish. Are most of the streets uh, without a lot of cars? Uh, no, I go, I purposely go routes that would avoid cars. Good. Yeah. But there's really only two, three streets in and out of San Pedro. Yeah. Because we're a peninsula and we're only half of that peninsula. So yeah, we're very like. What's limited. the other half? Uh, Palos Verdes. Oh, I hadn't realized that. I really should do some research before I talk to the people. <laughs> but you know what? It, it's, this is what Larry King would say. I used to think it was lazy when Larry King would say this. He was like, the average guy driving in his truck doesn't do any research. So I'm going to be educated by my guest. So Rancho PV, yeah. which is very swanky. Yeah. And Pedro does not have that reputation. No. Wow. Yeah. Do you think the Rancho PV people might gentrify Pedro one day? 
they have hard city lines. Pedro is slowly gentrifying right now. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Um, thanks to Joe Buscayano uh, and other people trying to attract businesses, which is cool. It's great to a certain extent, but also it's, you know, you might lose the character of the city. So 1% Joe is your council member? Yes. Uh, and is he on the way out? He, he was running yes. for mayor. Is it term limits is why he's leaving? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Uh, yeah, we have some new guy coming in. Do you um, know the new, you don't know the new guy? That's I fine. I remember. Off Did you vote for the new head. guy? Yeah, I okay, did, good. mainly because the unions were backing him. So I'm like, okay, I'll go with the unions. So you are at uh, Harbor now. Mm -hmm. What do you teach? English. What, uh, what kind? Oh, I, it's mostly just composition, just like, let's learn how to write an essay clearly and, right. and get it done. And I'm very, because my dad's an immigrant and my mom grew up poor and stuff, so like I got this very pragmatic mindset. I'm like, you know what? Let me teach it the most basic way possible, and let me show you how it translates to the real world. Because I know that you don't care about reading poetry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like, let's not deal with that. I love poetry. Yeah. But let's not deal with that because that's not what we're all here for. So let's translate these skills across multiple different ways of doing it. The reason that, that you're sitting here is because Mike the Poet was sitting here. So shout out to Mike the Poet uh, for recommending you, Christian. And um, obviously I love poetry too. You're saying that young people, I guess all people, I should stop stereotyping. Um, <laughs> The students at City College are probably going to glaze over if you show them a poem? Not all of them, but at the same time, it's like the real question is like, why are we here? Right. Because right. normally if you ask them, it's like, I want a better job later. Yeah. Right. So a poem isn't going to help that engineering major. Like not like in the short term anyways. But if I go like, hey, look at this process paper <laughs> and start telling me step by step how things are going to go and we break that down, that's going to help you out in your career. What, what's a process paper? Just steps. <laughs> Just tell me what, like, if you had to do something. So one that I like to use as an example is um, telling me how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Okay. Right. So, so like you'll have, I'll have all the makings. And somebody will say, well, you put the peanut butter on the bread. So I will take the jar of peanut butter and smash it on the piece of bread. I'm like, is that part of, like, you, I think you missed a couple steps in the process. Right. <laughs> you know, you have to explain each part. Yes. Yeah. So just like me, the kids open up. I'm going to call them the kids. I'm older than all these people. <laughs> they, they're like, oh, we have to literally spell it out. Yeah. And so when you're trying to apply for a job, the, the example I always use is how do you, if somebody ever asks you, why do you deserve this job? Which they don't ever say that. Yeah. Exactly. But they get close to it. Why do you deserve this job? And normally the stock answer for a young person or somebody that doesn't know is I'll work hard for you. Who's going to say they're going to be on their cell phone and nap whenever they can? <laughs> Nobody's going to answer that any different way. The only difference is, is if you can say in words what distinguishes you from somebody else yeah and have some sort of evidence backing that mm -hmm. and so that's what we work on um i've never taught i've lectured a few times like just popping in and lecture which was wonderful um but i have coached nine-year-olds in little league and i was shocked at how quickly they learned yeah because I don't fancy myself a teacher or a coach, but sometimes when you just show the fundamentals, they blossom. Yeah. Is that how your experience no. has been? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for some students, yeah, like it is. It absolutely is. And it's a treat. But I don't, I don't, for those students, those ones that are blossoming, I'm like, I don't want to mess with that. I don't want to break, you're on your path. If I do too much, I'm going to break that. So let me just let you do your own thing. Just keep writing how you're writing because it's it's perfect. It might not be great yet. It will be though because you got you you you're you're blossoming, you're blooming, you're becoming who you are. I'm looking for that student that will sit in every single class 
and do absolutely nothing, but they're there every day on time, just offering me nothing to go off of. I want to help that student. Mm. <laughs> like, like that student is committed right. because they're there every day, but they aren't sold on it yet. I, I was lucky enough to get into the College of Creative Studies in Santa Barbara, UC Santa Barbara, and they didn't have grades. That's sweet. And part of their theory, speaking to, to this, is they said, if a student comes to class every day and does the work, they shouldn't be punished. Yeah. And anything below an A is a punishment. Yeah. But are they really at the top of the class? No. So how about this? Forget grades. Yeah. Either they've passed or no record. Because pass-fail is also punishing them. Yeah, yeah. So pass or no record, we're not even going to put it on their their uh, transcript if for some reason they don't pull it off because maybe it's the teacher and Lord help you, especially in the, the age of unions now that you blame the teacher for yeah. it. But some, some teachers just can't No, connect. some teachers are horrible. Yeah. Or they suck. Yeah. So, um, are you, a, so you have to red pen people's work, right? Yeah. So, I mean, one thing is where, in a time where we're moving more towards California specifically is moving more towards let's not get in the student's way. Like that's always the problem is getting in the student's way. Mm. So I started doing everything this last couple of years where I'm like, is credit, no credit. And if really? you don't get credit, you know what we'll do is turn it in again, <laughs> you know, like fix it, turn it in. And you know, an A is pretty easy if you're doing the work. Yeah. If you do the work, you'll, and I even like segmented it a little bit. I'm like, because so many students coming, going, I just want to see. Right. And I'm like, oh, come on. You that was shoot, me. Shoot a little high. I no. Was, I was that too. <laughs> Were but, you? Yeah. No, I was a bad student. <laughs> it, it paid off for me in the end, but it, <laughs> I was a bad student. I was a six-year community college student. I'm like, I don't know what I'm here for. Yeah. Um, but the sad thing is, is our students are so like, institutionalized into that grading system where I go, Hey, you do this, you're going to be fine. And it, they don't necessarily believe it. I would imagine. And, and again, I'm stereotyping, uh, Wilmington students in city college probably, first of all, didn't get a great high school education. Um, they were distracted because none of their peers were really shooting for high scores. And so they come to you probably not even being able to even write a coherent sentence. Sometimes it's, it, it can be bad. Um, so you've got I mean, to start over. Yeah. I, I, the Harbor area has, I believe like 10% of the population have college education. Okay. Whereas versus LA is high twenties pushing thirties, hmm. which means we have half hmm. of an educated populace of the rest of the city. Yeah. Which means that these students a lot of times are coming from houses that don't have experience with college and a big chunk of college is learning how to navigate it. Mm -hmm. Like you finding um, a, a program that doesn't have grades is awesome. It was the Lord. That's what it yeah. was. It was the Lord. And that that's a weird, like that's a sad thing that you got to wait for like, <laughs> a sign <laughs> to find your place. It is sad. Because then you might, you might not ever find it. Right. Yeah, and that's the sad part. But but what I'm what I'm saying to you though is first of all, I admire that you are basically taking 8 years of English into one class and saying this is how you write a sentence. Yeah. Now I'm going to teach you how to write a paragraph, what makes a paragraph, what makes a new paragraph. Like like you have to go down down that path, right? Uh, it's not as bad as that sometimes. Sometimes it is. Yeah. It's weird because every class, specifically every classroom that I teach is different. Mm. Because the makeup of the class is different. Some classes, yeah, it is. Oof. But some classes, it's not even close to that. And the students are there. A lot of times we'll build each other up. Good. Right? It's all about the community. And I think that if anything, it's always the, the classes that I have the most difficulty with are the ones where there's not enough people that are part of the community mm. yeah and i'm not saying like the city i'm just saying like we are in this together in this room we got to sit here for like two hours a day <laughs> you know we should know each other a little bit yeah uh because you know these people have all the discounts 
from the places where they work. You know, like these people are the ones that know where places are hiring. Oh, stuff. So I'm always like, you know what? It's about networking. It's about connecting. Uh, many moons ago, when I was in junior college, I was shocked at first of all on day one how many students were in the class. Sometimes there weren't enough chairs, and then in the middle of the semester, how few. Is that the same story yeah. today? Yeah, yeah. So how do you approach that as a teacher? Because you can't go all in and fall in love with all your students right away because half of them are going to be gone, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's heartbreaking, but you kind of still have to fall in love because you don't know which ones are going to drop out. Yeah. Right? Uh, so you have to go all in with all of them and then just hope that it, it holds. Do all of your students have computers? Uh, no. I, I'll be clear with it no uh there are programs that'll get them computers but again it's the navigation aspect mm -hmm. if you don't know the programs exist how do you know to get it yeah yeah i i would say though that that and i'm so glad that you're bringing all this up i would say even my uc education half of it is red tape yeah how do you deal with financial aid yeah how do you deal with getting um your landlord to give you your security deposit back all of this education is the college education and I never expected that. I thought it was A's and B's and drinking beer. But no, it's, it's red tape, which is very useful in real yeah. life. But we don't tell them that that's really the purpose of college. Right. Right? Is like we're just teaching you. Uh, I can't remember the author of the book. There's a book called uh, Multiplication is for White People. Uh, and the author of that book says, when I tell my students at the beginning of the semester, I tell them what you're working on in school is middle class skills. How to navigate the paperwork. How to ask the secretaries, administrative assistances where to go, <laughs> you know, for the information. Yeah. Uh, how to just keep not, you know, getting, hearing no and still going forward. That's really what college is and networking. So the kids that don't have computers... Do they use the library to write the papers for yeah, you? Yeah, the libraries will be there. Or, I mean, I've had students that will take that will do their whole papers on their phones. Fine. Which works. Yeah. Uh, you could tell that there's some issues with it. <laughs> I've had some students that are so averse to technology where they will take a picture of their paper, handwritten, and send it to me. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a very large spectrum. Huh. And some students know more about computers than I do. So it's like. Well, that's good. <laughs> okay. What of the kids that stay, what percentage do you feel? And, and I trust that you're a good teacher. Oh, I'm not. <laughs> you're tired. You must have fooled somebody. I did fool a bunch of people. I'm good. What percentage of the kids who stay actually show improvement? All of them show improvement. Great. Yeah, all of them show improvement. And even the ones that leave will show some improvement yeah. before the end. Again, the ones that have been there and do absolutely nothing, those are the ones that are always the hard ones. And, and yeah. you know, you work on it. But they also have a different – they normally a lot of times they'll have learned something. It might not be what we were trying to teach. Yeah. <laughs> it might not be reading and writing better, but it will be something. Do you have them read their papers out loud? No, uh, there's too many students towards the end of the semester we can, but so many people are really self-conscious about that. Oh, yeah. How many kids do you have in your uh, your class? Uh, 35 is what we start off with. And how much, and you end up with like 15? Yeah, yeah, we end up with 15. Um, yeah. Do you do so, any fiction writing in here? No, I don't. Again, I try to keep my class, I would love to. My, my master's degree is in creative writing, so it's like, <laughs> I love that stuff. But again, practical. I want to be practical. Right. Like, uh, my dad, oh, God bless my dad. I love my dad so much. <laughs> You'll hear me say, I love this, and then say and something but. horrible. Um, my dad paid for my college. He was like, you know what? My, my father paid for my college, and he said to pay him back, pay for my kids. I don't care what degree you get. It doesn't matter what your degree is in. Just make sure you get a job afterwards. Yeah. So with that mindset in place, I'm, I'm like, oh, no, it's just about the degree. And that dude lived it. He ended up being a nurse, but he has a degree in engineering. And I'm like, why would you leave? And he's like, I'm, I'm not a good engineer. I'm like, why not? <laughs> he's all like, 
to be honest, I cheated my whole way through. <gasps> my older brothers were great engineers and they had the same teachers. So I had all the copies of their notes, all of their tests, wow. and I just copied them. And I got my degree. <laughs> so I'm glad he's not building our bridges. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was more of like on the like uh, like mechan mechanical engineering side. So Let's uh, talk about Charles Bukowski and uh, his relationship with Pedro. Yeah. Bukowski lived all over L.A. Uh, uh, Pasadena was part of his mix. Uh, ended up in downtown. Ended up blocks away from here. I'm going there right after this. Are you? You're yeah. going to go to Bukowski Court? <laughs> the Long Pre? Um, and then he met his beautiful wife, Linda, who got him the hell out of Hollywood. I met her. You have? Yeah, I've been to their house. Yeah. You what? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Are you a Bukowski scholar? I wouldn't I mean I've done a deep dive in Bukowski and uh I wouldn't call myself a scholar because I haven't read any like scholarly texts about him. But um me and a and a local historian were working on um well we were we we were working on trying to get a statue built of him. Yeah, we hard were fundraising. Uh, well, it, Pedro won't allow a statue. No, uh, Pedro kind of wants one, but you know we had to raise the money for it. And then when we started, I would say like maybe three or four months afterwards, all of the uprisings were happening where people were taking down statues of white oh. people. And we're like, not a good time. And, and he, then the pandemic. <laughs> and you know, God bless him. I've got a half dozen books of his in front of you. Um, a little bit to show off, but also to to kind of maybe there's something in one of these books that you can you can tell oh. me about because uh, these aren't his these aren't his novels. Yeah, some of these are his, his letters and short stories, picture books, stuff like that. Um, he's a little bit problematic for some people. Yeah, and I think it's unfounded. What do you think? Oh, he's definitely problematic. <laughs> tell I me mean, the worst thing about there Bukowski. is uh, there is video footage of him kicking Linda. I have seen it. Yeah. It They're seems sitting playful, on the couch together. I've sat on that couch, by the way. <laughs> Did you kick her? No. Good she's for you. tiny, though. She's Is she? She's a tiny lady. I just looked at it as just a married couple spat. Yeah. yeah. Is it more than that? Am I looking through rose-colored glasses? I don't know. So It's tough. I mean, there's always the question of separating the artist from the art also. Yeah. Right? And, and, and no man should should raise their hand or yeah, foot to yeah. a woman. And but he's an ornery guy and I just felt like he was drunk and do you think that he ever abused her? Oh, I I don't know. I honestly don't know. Is this something I should ask her when I podcast her? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She'll probably say no, but she did like there were moments where uh one of the cool things that I heard from her was uh when he would do a reading because he's known for his readings where he would get drunk. And she's like, readings were horrible for him because he would get himself so amped up, like with anxiety. He'd be drinking hardcore for the two months before the reading. And she was she was like, he was bad then. And when like her saying she was bad then, I'm like, that doesn't sound great. <laughs> right. what, what do you mean he... Okay, so in the readings, because I've seen some videos of his readings, and it looks like he gets like a six-pack in a brown paper bag, cracks it open, and reads until he's done. Yeah. So he'll drink six beers in front of people. Yeah. Which sometimes six beers, if you're an alcoholic, do we do we agree that he was an alcoholic? <laughs> she would say not at the, in the later years of his life. For most of his life. Yeah, for most of he his life. He was an alcoholic. Yeah, he was an alcoholic. He always he was, had beer yeah, or wine. Yeah. And also, I mean, there's also like socioeconomic background like his upbringing reading ham on rye i'm like how do you not know that physical violence or how do you not see that physical violence is a viable option with that upbringing you okay ham on rye was uh it's a novel it's a novel so asterisk um, yeah what we're reading about his childhood yeah and how his dad was a big jerk yeah 
and uh, it, and Bukowski had um, uh, facial yeah like uh, boils or yeah. Whatever. yeah so he had a rough life yeah. and his dad would make him like mow the grass and then trim it with scissors yeah what I love about a Bukowski is he does embellish a lot of things. But I think at the heart of this is I had a bad childhood and my dad was a jerk. Yeah. So you're saying if you're brought up that way, you're more likely to also be a jerk to your, your if you wife? If you don't learn how to break patterns, right? right? Yeah. And there was no real therapy back there for a post Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. There yeah. was get your ass kicked at the bar. Then there's, I mean, going back to whether or not he's problematic – like, even his depictions of women and the treatment of women in his texts are sometimes a little problematic. Like, uh, reading Post Office, mm-hmm. right? Where in Post Office, there is a scene where he kind of, the main character sexually assaults just some random crazy woman on his route. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, even reading that before, like, you know, I was reading that a while ago in college. I'm like, this is uncomfortable. Post Office is his first novel, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, about 90 pages, 100 pages. It's pretty short, yeah. About him being a postman in um, the more of the east side of, of L.A., uh, around the, um, the main post office right by Union Station. And in this, he talks about how he was sorting mail, and then in the rainy season of December, the, the boss who doesn't like him made him actually be a mail carrier, and he's alcoholic and drunk and hungover, and the, the letters are getting soggy, and he goes to this apartment complex, and everybody is named Hernandez or Gonzalez. I forget. <laughs> it's been a while. And so we don't take that literally. The problem is, is this, and it's a beautiful thing that writers like him and uh, one of his inspirations, John Fonte, uh, did was there was a lot of blending of their own lives with the work that they did. I yes. mean, his, the, the character that he follows is Hank Chinansky, right? Very close to Right, he's not fooling anybody. Right. He worked at Beers and Roebuck or whatever it was. <laughs> and I'm like, I wonder where that is right. at Sears. And, uh, and, and Hank is, is not handsome. He's yeah. overweight and he's a drinker. <laughs> yeah, so it's definitely this blending of reality uh, yeah. in in the writing. So and then that becomes an interesting thing is which parts are real versus which parts are So sh- do you believe that he maybe raped people? I I go, you know what? It's problematic either way. Like whether he does or not, the depictions of it and the glorification of even though he doesn't intend to have that glorification of that behavior, yeah, that behavior is still somewhat glorified, and that becomes the problem with that it, image. It, it's glorified, Professor, because he's never punished for it in the story? I just think it's glorified uh, with, because of this weird uh, pull-yourself-up-by-your-bootstraps, super-independent-macho mentality that we have. It's like, look at this guy. He started off abused and ugly, and look at where he ended up. It's true. Yeah. And, and that did inspire me when I was in college discovering him because I don't think most of us feel comfortable in who we are, and we want to be taller and richer and more powerful. And when we see this kind of a bum um, of a man – get pulled out of the post office by the publisher of Black Sparrow Post or Press um, and turn into like a superstar writer on his own terms. Yeah. He Well, first of all, he writes a novel called Women. It's about a bunch of different women. Yeah. And I guess I just assumed that he's just keeping it real, that he's not a good boyfriend, first of all. Yeah. So he's he's honest about that. And that's part. what I love. I, you gotta like admire the honesty. Sure, right? Because like no matter whether it's true or not, it's still beautifully written, mm-hmm. and it's insanely unabashedly honest. And it it shows us a part of L.A. that not even Fonte wrote yeah. about. Yeah, you know. So so he gives props to Fonte, who wouldn't? But what other writer was writing about Skid Row, Hollywood, East Hollywood? You know, kind of the the grungier part of of L.A. in the 70s. Yeah. And also he did some of that in New Orleans, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Literal bums. 
you know? And Bukowski is like the king bum who gets his ass beat at the bar. Yeah. He loses more fights I than he wins. I love that about Bukowski, yeah. by the way. It's like, it's like he's not going to win every time <laughs> or most of the time. <laughs> like, he loses a lot. Uh, let's talk about the movies that were made out of his books. I don't really like them. No, no. Do you, do I you mean, like Barfly him? was, I like the dialogue in Barfly. Yes. <laughs> well, didn't he write the screenplay? Uh, I think he had a big part of it. But yeah, uh, I mean, just the dialogue was beautiful. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Did you like Mickey Rourke playing uh, Chinansky? I mean, does Mickey Rourke play anything but Mickey Rourke? Well, I mean, I, I think, well, I like Mickey Rourke as an actor. Yeah. And he has kind of gone down a, a destructive path. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. And has made him a more interesting actor oh, as he got older. The wrestler with him was amazing. Isn't it great? Yeah. yeah. So I would, I would rather it be him than others. Yeah. No, that's true. That's true. And Faye Dunaway. Faye Dunaway. How was great, great was she? She was, she was great in that. Like, I love the writing in that. Yeah. Um, I love the writing in that. Uh, so many beautiful lines. I like the, uh, you know, do you like cops? <laughs> seem to have a better time when they're not around. <laughs> My, I'm misquoting that, but I love that. My, my favorite was when she gives him the keys to her, her house and he goes, you trust me with that? Or no, no. I, maybe it was the other way around. He gives her something and she's like, you trust me with this? And he's like, something like, uh, it's easier that way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like the stealing corn from that random cornfield. And they can't and cook like, it well. He's like, it's, it's too, it's, it's not right. We can't eat this. And she takes it anyways. Yeah. Uh, my my uh, my uh, wife is is native Hawaiian, and Ooh. we used to be part of a, a halal, like a hula school. Yeah, and uh, there was one. I mean, it happens regularly, but there was one time, like the night before a performance, we're making all the lays and all that other stuff, and we needed. We'd normally go to the flower mart. We bought all our stuff from the flower mart, and as we're making them in the middle of the night before the performance, we're like, we need more uh, bird of paradise heads. We used all of them. So we're out in the middle of the night. It's uh, Torrance. <laughs> we remembered that there is this uh, center divider on, I think it's Redondo Beach Boulevard. Oh, my it's God. It's all Bird of Paradise. So we're in the middle of this intersection, 1 a.m., cutting all these Birds of Paradise heads <laughs> for this performance. And, like, and that night, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, I'm living this. I'm living yeah. Stealing some <laughs> some unripe corn. So why do you think it's so hard for Hollywood to write, to make movies on these great books? Uh, there's a bunch of different issues with it. Because one, a lot of them are going to be super textual, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and that makes it, if it's, if it's not moving, if watching somebody write <laughs> is not that fun. Right. Uh, so there's that. There's a lot of internal change that's happening. It's still a lot of how to show that. So it's so so we like these books because they're intellectual. I think that you could approach them intellectually. They're there's multi-layered at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I think you're right because my favorite scenes are Bukowski having a hard day, avoiding the landlady as he goes up to his SRO room. And for some reason, he has a tub in this room because SROs aren't supposed, you're supposed to share the tub. But he's got a tub. He draws water, listens to classical music, yeah. which is surprising. That's a beautiful thing with him. Yeah. yeah. And, and drinks a whole bottle of wine and just kind of avoids yeah. the world. And I guess that's hard to do cinematically. Avoiding? Yeah. Like, how do you show avoiding? Like, you can with the lady pounding on the door. Yeah. But it's not just that one avoidance, right? It's multiple. Like, it's a lifestyle of avoiding. Yeah. Which is very passive. I think you're right. So maybe it is hard to do. <laughs> but that, right, you know Hollywood where there's so many people that are part of the filmmaking process that a no is enough. Like, one person saying no is enough to, to kill it. Did you like Hollywood, the book? I didn't read that one. Ooh. So for me, most of the stuff that I've read is like stuff after 78. Right. right. The deep, I mean, I read a lot of him beforehand, but recently the stuff that I read is after 78 when he moves to Pedro. Yeah. With an intense focus on place hmm. uh, and like trying to find what, you know, what he was writing about. 
Uh, which so his is, poems mostly. His, his poems mostly. Yeah. yeah. But you know, Hamon Rye was also in Pedro. Like he wrote that in Pedro. He did. Yeah. Yeah. So he was he was remembering his upbringing. Yeah. His most prolific years were in Pedro. Like most of his writing came from that time. Him moving and getting away from L.A. Uh. Does Linda still live in the house that he yeah. wrote all these books in? Yeah, she still lives there. She wants to. Uh, I didn't talk a lot with her. A friend of mine who was a historian, we were working a lot with her, trying to get her blessing on that statue. Uh, talked with her mostly. But Linda wants to turn that house into a museum somehow Great. after she passes away. Great. And the beauty, it's almost like, uh, was it David Copperfield? You know, Mrs. Haversham? The yeah, lady yeah. that has the wedding and it's all still there. The cake is still there. His room is like that. Good. You see cigarette butts. You see, uh, I love this thing where there's uh, a cup of wine on a bookshelf and it has uh, evaporated. So there's multiple layers of like wine residue as as years have gone on. There's a there's a black and white picture of him sitting in his office, uh, composing on I think it's a Apple Mac Quadra. Like it's it's before the Macintosh, or maybe it's like Apple was like hedging its bets with the Macintosh, so uh, they they made this Quadra. Is his computer still there? Yeah, his computer's still there. Uh, she drapes a like a towel from uh, one of the horse uh, horse race parks over it. Yeah, she drapes a towel over that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So would he commute from Pedro to Santa Anita? Yeah. It, it, when I was doing that deep dive, there's so many poems about him driving the 110. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I know that area. I know that area. Yeah, because he spent a lot of time on the 110 just getting stuck at Gaffey right does there. The, does, the one, does the 110 go to Pedro? The 110 ends at Pedro. I guess I've never taken it all the yeah. way down there. So and you can take that all the way up to where to get to uh, Santa Anita? Ooh, I don't know. All right. Well, yeah. well whatever. Um, but he, was he drunk driving? See, I think that's worse. See, that's there's a, there's those than allegedly kicking yeah. uh, people. But if you listen to Linda, she says that he really curtailed his drinking towards the end, which is always funny to hear because if you talk to the bar owners in Pedro, <laughs> all of them say they have a Bukowski story. Right. Yeah. So it's like she's like, no, he didn't drink. We would go down every once in a while to San Fuku, this Japanese place, and he'd have uh, a Sapporo. Like a Sapporo, and that's right. it. And and I'm like, really? He didn't hit up any of these dive bars. So they all have stories, but how interesting that she's try in a in a weird way. She, well, she's trying to defend the the legacy, but she, I I feel like she's hurting the legacy by not saying, of course he was a drunk. He was the greatest drunk there was. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, one of the reasons why we were working on that statue is we still have most weirdly mostly uh, like Germans yeah. <laughs> coming out to Pedro. Asking for things like places that he's been or like, you know, statues or whatever to commemorate where he's been since he, they go up to his grave. Yeah. Uh, and, and visit that. He was born in Germany, right? Yeah. And he sold a ton of books in Germany. Sold a ton of books in Germany. What does, uh, I know the answer to this, but for our listeners, what does his, uh, what does Charles Bukowski's headstone say? Don't try. And it's got like a boxer on there. Yeah. What does that mean to you? live entirely. I like the other one where uh, it's another quote where he says, let your passions kill you. I love that. Right. Like just don't try at it. Just Yoda. Right. Just do. There's no trying at it. Just go all in on it. And that's kind of what this podcast is. Yeah. It's going to take me 20 years to finish this and ain't no trying. <laughs> You're you in just, it. You just sit down with the people, you talk, <laughs> you edit, you do the blog post, you do the social and it's going to kill me. Like, this is going to be the last job I ever have. And I've got to drive Uber to support it. But what a beautiful thing to make, you know? Bukowski made all these books. Uh, I think Mike the Poet said a thousand poems, or you know? And not all of them were great. But I also heard that he held on to a bunch of them so that he could release them after he yep. was dead to support Linda. Linda has a fat stack of unpublished poems. There's more? Yeah, there's a big stack. Yeah. And one of the things with this, uh, so, uh, these books that you brought out, the first ones I grabbed were like the Black Sparrow ones. Yeah. Because I love the covers. The real originals. Uh, 
Linda hates John Martin. And there's all kinds of, uh, like me focusing on uh, stuff that he wrote in San Pedro and a lot of the posthumous stuff is there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of flack that John Martin gets, specifically from Linda, but also from the Bukowski community, where they say that the books that have been released posthumously uh, were uh, highly edited. Like they were, John Martin went in and he toned all of them down, like all the poems down. They're dirtier in real life. They're supposed to be supposedly dirty. And she's got life. the originals? She's got the originals. <gasps> yeah. I want to read that. Yeah. They're slow. Like she's got a new editor. Uh, does, does, does Martin, okay, so Martin's a black pair. Black pair, yeah. So, which is difficult to hate because he made Bukowski. Yeah, and Wanda Coleman. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, can she, re- does, does Martin own those poems? Well, I mean, he sold, uh, I think he sold the catalog to uh, whatever Echo is, the larger right. company. Uh, they're being released, like she has a new editor that she trusts and they are being released. So there's still new Bukowski poems coming out. I, I was going to end this segment. I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> so there's dirtier yeah. Crazier stories. Don't read the Echo. According to Linda, yeah. don't read the Echo books. Don't read the Echo books. I didn't want to anyways because I didn't like those covers. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, that's true. Because they're all that's just true. generic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like uh, clip art and, and stock photos of like Vegas, uh, you know, like it's, it just seems silly. Yeah. You could read the Black Sparrow ones now because uh, so Echo published them and then uh, I... I guess the rights, uh, John Martin sold the rights to Black Sparrow proper again before, like, b- before he quit. So now it's more true to what Black Sparrow was trying to do. Uh, huh. So you could get back to it. It's weird. It's a weird. No, that's, that's the best news of the day. <laughs> that's great. So some of these, some of these older poems are dirtier yeah. and filthier and more Bukowski. And that's great because I didn't really like the new stuff. I love the new stuff. You do? I love. So the very, I think the very bottom book there is is one of the new stuff. Oh, one of the uh, other stack. Oh, the uh, continual condition. Yeah, I didn't like that one. Okay. <laughs> so, which what are the new ones? Did you like? I like the ones where he's more reflective, right? Where like you could sense that he knows death is coming soon. Yeah. Yeah, I love that stuff where he's just kind of calming down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, is there anything else that uh, we should be talking about, about Mr. Charles Bukowski and his relationship to Pedro? Um, just the Pedro that he lived in was was really interesting. Like, behind his house was a horse track. Not a horse track, but, like, a trail for horses. Huh. And little pieces that are still there. There's, like, a green belt that's kind of behind where his house is. And it, just random stuff like that. And Pedro, in general, such a weird place. Um the, yeah, the, uh, the I could get why he loved it, mainly because it's one of the last places in L.A. that's affordable. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing is, is it's one of the few places anywhere that you're going to find projects on the water. Housing projects. Yes. Is waterfront housing projects. So you can be broke as can and be. You could see the you could see the port. Is, is it a pretty view? Yeah, it's a pretty view. Like, they've put some money. I mean, it's industrial view, right? Because you'll see, like, the cranes and stuff there. But, yeah. I mean, still waterfront property right there. And and it, the temperature's cooler. The temperature's nicer, yeah. Huh. Yeah. yeah. Pedro's got that. It's got really bad neighborhoods. It's got some really nice neighborhoods. Where does Mike Watt live? Uh, I don't know where he lives. I know where his studio is. Is his studio in a nice place? Uh yeah, the houses around there are really nice. Uh, it's up. Uh, it's this little commune called um, Angels Gate, and uh, it's these old military bunkhouses, which can literally be picked up and moved. They're two <laughs> stories tall, and every once in a while, every few years, they're like, "No, this doesn't work here." They will literally pick up a two-story tall building and move it. 
Is Angel's Gate where the Korean uh, yeah, memorial it's right is? right next to it, yeah. There's a lot of random little stuff in, on that little hill. Yeah. Yeah, the Korean bell is right there. Uh, the Madonna Like a Prayer Church is right there. No. Uh, the creepy thing about the Madonna Like a Prayer Church is, is not the actual church. There <laughs> is a pet cemetery uh-huh. right next to it. Okay. And this cemetery, it, like I've got chills talking about it right now. Um, so this was uh, dogs that served in World War II. Oh, my God. And they were trained to be killer dogs. And so when, when the war ended, the military's like, there's no way these dogs could be reacclimated to be normal dogs. So they killed them all. And they're all buried right there. It's Fort MacArthur. They're all buried right there. The Cub Scouts come out and clean the cemetery you know, every year and stuff like that. But I'm like, that is, that's. We shot all them dogs. <laughs> if, if ever there was going to be a haunted pet cemetery, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty. <laughs> it's pretty. Is it? Yeah, it's. It, there's like little metal wooden or metal dog things on the <laughs> on the fences and stuff like that. It's <laughs> it's a pretty cemetery. The Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts do a good job cleaning it up. But um. okay, um, everyone always asks me when I do these podcasts, do you talk about food? And I'm like. Why would I talk about food? There's a gazillion foodies in LA, and now with TikTok, there's even more. Yeah, yeah. Fuck it. Tell me about food and Pedro. People might get mad at me, but there are three things Pedro does well, right? Breakfast, sandwiches, and pizza. Huh. Yeah, we do be, the breakfast and the sandwiches because we have the longshoremen coming in and they mm. need to eat at any hour or whatever. Pizza, we have uh, historic Little Italy. Okay, hold on a second. I, I will get to that. Okay. They, so they can eat at any hour? Because they will be getting off early in the morning. And but stuff but like what that. you're telling me is I can eat at any hour in Pedro? Not quite. It's just that like... Because I like that. It's so weird. Like we have the weirdest small town hours yeah where it hits five o'clock and everything's closed like okay. everything's closed all the restaurants but does it start super early because they of start the- super early because of that okay yeah. yeah yeah fine so early in the morning early in the morning if i find myself really early in the morning you're gonna get some good bre- really good breakfast places that'll serve you some decent sandwiches but like yeah, so... Okay, we, so Little Italy. Little Italy. There's a Little Italy. There's a Little Italy, which is misnamed. <laughs> Our council member is the one that, like, made it official. Joey 1%? Yeah, he is Italian. He's Italian-American. It is, like, a block away from the actual Italian enclave. It's called Vin- Vinegar Hill is the original enclave. It was Croatians and Italians. Great name. And it was called that because the place smelled like vinegar. Because of all the people making their own basement wine. Oh. Yeah. There's even a wine supply shop, like, to make your own wine still in Pedro. Uh, so if you're ever down there, 9th Street, A1 Deli is an Italian deli. Oh, the sandwiches are so good. How much for a good sandwich? Oh, like seven, eight bucks. It's still not Great bad. Great deal. It's still not bad. Yeah. Great deal. Yeah. If you want, uh, we're older. I can't do this anymore. If you want, like, a young man sandwich, you go up to Busy Bee. <laughs> Busy Bee will just get give you like a huge thing of just greasy meat and a lot of it. Uh, yeah, that's for young people. Like though. like Langer size deli, like too much meat. Yeah, it's too much meat. It's mm-hmm. too much meat. No, you can't do it. But yeah, you go out there. So it's so it's two sandwiches. Yeah, it's easily two sandwiches. Yeah. Huh. Busy Bee. Busy Bee. Yeah. So you split one with your sweetie. Yeah, you split one. You go up to the Korean Bell, just hang out, watch people fly kites. Is that what they do at the bell? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are there Koreans over there? No, no, not a lot. I mean, they're, I mean, we're diverse, but yeah. But it's... it was it was uh, a tribute to the Koreans in the Korean War. I, I actually don't know. All right, I'll ask. History. I'll ask yeah. a different. Yeah, you'll yeah. you'll hook me up. With I used to know, <laughs> but <laughs> people who want to visit San Pedro. First of all, we, we, we mentioned Mike Watt as if everybody knows who he is. Mike Watt was the bass player of the Minutemen, mm-hmm. one of the greatest L.A. punk bands there were. Uh, D. Boone, the singer and guitar player, died early. And then Watt um, had the Missing Men band. Um, he had his solo projects. Um, and he, because everybody loves him so much, he often plays in other bands. Mm-hmm. Temporarily, just little guest spots. Um, 
he and Bukowski are probably the two most famous people of Pedro, right? Art-wise, yeah, yeah. I mean, they'll pop up. One that's huge is uh, Yuri Kochiyama. Who's that? Uh, civil rights uh, activist, some would say uh, revolutionary. She was friends with Malcolm X. She was actually there when he died. She was holding, like, there's pictures of her holding his body. Yumi? Uh, Yuri. Yuri? Kochiyama. Japanese lady? Yes. Huh. Yeah, yeah. So she's a Pedro gal. Uh, Somehow ended up in, in New York City? Yeah. Well, I mean, her family was part of the internment, and oh. she, like, that messed her up uh, because she... It revolutionized her. Yeah. It, well, that didn't, but it didn't mess her up. It, like, it started it because uh, she was the one that let them in to take her, like, like the, the police no. were knocking on the door, and... Uh, she opened it, and they were like, we need to talk to your father, and she let him in to go, and yeah, so they were all put in tournament camps, uh, and then she mm. eventually moved to Harlem, and she liked the community uh, activists that were going on out there, and so she started bringing her kids and her husband, and that started the ball rolling. Okay, so if, um, first of all, if you're a Bukowski fan, you got to make the pilgrimage. Yep. How far... How how long did it take you to get to East Hollywood today? Uh, this is Sunday. 40 minutes. 40 minutes. Yeah. So even in our minds, we think it's so far away. Yeah. And and by the way, Sunday traffic isn't a walk in the park. Yeah, no. It's just not, it was a little traffic-y. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 40 minutes even with traffic to get to the, the edge of, of town. And you get to have some great Italian sandwiches. Yep. You get to uh, hang out. Do people pose with the peace sign in front of uh, Bukowski's uh, grave the way that, that he did in, in front of the uh, Bukowski grave? Have they you seen that picture? No, I, I haven't seen that. There's a, there, for some reason, he's wearing like a cool T-shirt and jeans, and there's a Bukowski sem, uh, gravestone, and he's just laying there with the peace sign. <laughs> I have posed sitting next to that. I was in San Pedro today, just hanging out next to it. Uh, it gets so much, that grave gets so much traffic that they normally have a cone, like a little roadside cone there. To let like, everyone know. To let, like, you don't need to keep searching. It's right there. What do they put on his gravestone or around it? Do they, like, You'll cans see of beers? some booze every once in a while, yeah, but they clean it up pretty regular. You, you, you say that with a wince. Should I not bring a, <laughs> a six pack for my man? You can. They they clean it up pretty regularly. Like if you're gonna bring a six pack, drink it. <laughs> like, somebody like, else is gonna. Because somebody else is going to. <laughs> okay, that's all right. Um, can you send me that picture of you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be I'll, great. I'll send you pictures of uh, like Bukowski's office and everything too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the things that we talked about. But okay, so how do you get there? You take just take the one ten all the way down. One ten. Uh, you might overshoot it a little bit, but it's not that big. So 110 all the way down. Uh, then you'll make a right onto Gaffey, left onto uh, Summerland Avenue. Not place. That's the street with two dead ends. It's right there, but, you know. <laughs> uh, and then right on Western and just go until you see a cemetery on the left. Wow. Yeah. And how close is that to uh, Little Italy? Uh, about two miles. It's not bad. It's just down. Little Italy, Italy is downtown San Pedro. It's down by the water. Uh, Bukowski's grave is up the hill a bit. Okay. Uh, 1% Joe. Does he really live in Pedro? Yeah. Yeah. Really? He's a Pedro guy. He is definitely a Pedro guy. I, I mean, I, 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 how should I feel about him? Uh, Mr. Half Filipino, nicest person there is. <laughs> I... I didn't vote for him to begin with, uh, and one of the big things that uh, that upset me was uh, the red car. We Pedro had the red car for a little bit, like they were like it was more ornament, but they had it. And red car was the uh, street car. Yeah, the street car. Yeah, it was working. Yeah, it was working. You had a working street you car. You could hop on that thing for free. It would only take you like a mile, but you could go all up and down the port for it. It was pretty great. I I was I would ride it. I would say like maybe twice a month just to ride it. In, in, and when did it stop? Uh, it stopped, ooh, I want to say like seven or eight years ago. Okay. Uh, and he told everybody as they were pulling it out, he was like, it's not going away. 
Like, there will be a presence for this. And he had just been elected. Like, he was only in office for like a year. So this will always have a presence. Whether He even said things like, whether it's taking the actual streetcar and putting it on display somewhere, the tracks are still going to be there, we'll do something with this. Paved over. Yeah, well, I mean, the tracks are definitely still there, but they are working on paving it over, and it's part of the whole redesign of that area. Joey Buckets, you son of a gun. Saying that directly to people, like to people's faces, knowing that it wasn't going to be. Just universally beloved over there? The red car? Not universal. The the red car, yeah, a lot of people loved it. Joe Buscayano, a lot of people still love it. What what would he say is the, the reason for it? Is it just impractical? Yeah, it's not financially feasible. So what? Yeah, right. Isn't Pedro rich because of the, the, no, the port? No. The port is rich. Long Beach is rich because Long of the port. Long Beach because they have control of their own port. Mm. Yeah. Pedro being LA City, Pedro and Wilmington being LA City proper means the money comes to LA. It doesn't stay in Pedro or Wilmington. Huh. Yeah. So we get all the pollution. <laughs> we get none of the money. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's end on a happy note. <laughs> You're going to be a teacher for the rest of your life. Yeah. If you're, I don't die in front of the classroom, yeah, that's the plan. What's going to make you die in front of I'm the classroom? I'm just saying, just keep going until <laughs> until I die one oh. day in front of the classroom. <laughs> Christian, God bless you. Thank you for being here. And thank you for listening to all these other episodes. Yeah, I love this podcast. I absolutely love it. I'm telling everybody I know about it. Uh, my wife is tired of me going, no, I learned this today. Uh, we tried the, uh, was it 10,000 steps in a day? We, we bought the book. Did you? And last Sunday, we this wanted to- This is Paul do- Haddad, Haddad's uh, book? Yeah, yeah. How so great. We wanted to do the uh, the Echo Park like trail or whatever. Yeah. One. So, you know, it was last Sunday. We're like, yeah, let's do it. Let's bring the dogs. We have like a, a, a pit bull and a French bulldog. And we're like, is that French bulldog going to make it? It's like, yeah, he does, you know, a mile easy with me every morning. Uh, so it, it'll be fine. We made it like around the first part of Echo Park. And then maybe like three blocks down before that dog just quit. Just absolutely quit. So we carried it uh, like the rest of the halfway to the that other park with the fountain or the waterfall or whatever. So we carried that dog. And it's not a light dog. It's 20 some odd pounds. And it's hot. And that dog is making all this noise. So we carry it down. And my wife is just like, you know, I'll sit with these dogs. You go back up there. Get the car. And so, yeah, I had to walk up by myself, (laughs) get the car, and come back down because that little dog quit. Uh, so that was the first and only time we've done that. But it sounds like you could do 10,000 in Pedro easy. Yeah. Yeah. There is a Pedro one. I'm not doing that one, though. Why is that? Because it's, 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 it's hilly. there's a slight hill. It's not a slight hill. That is a hill. <laughs> I'm not doing that. And one part of the walk is is pretty boring because I've done it a bunch of times. Mm. But, like, I mean, that's a hill. I'm yeah. not. I'm not doing that. It is very hilly over where I'm at. Well, Christian, again, thank you for making the trek out here. Thank you for teaching the, the people how to write. I've judged uh, junior college uh, newspaper entries before. You, you've, you, you've, you'll be employed for a long time. Let's just put it this way. <laughs> There's a lot to work on. And I can only imagine what my work was like because I was so cocky that I wasn't probably all years in school the way that you should be. So thank you for all the hard work that you've done. And thank you for telling us a little about your town. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for learning. I'm learning. You're learning. I love it. (laughs) Thank you. How great was Christian? You know who we'd drive 40 minutes to sit in their surprisingly cool courtyard? Our Patreons. When you stoke us, you're saying, Tony, Jordan, you'd never kick us on a sofa when the cameras are rolling. Here's some money. So shout out to our Patreons, Nancy Rommelman, Sean Atlow, Matt Mills, Sean Wallace, Greg and Molly, Jamie Taylor, Mark Johnson, Kira Ann, Barney Grinke, Ben Welsh, Henry Furman, Jen Adams, Trevor Wilson, Bree Wild, Dougie Gyro, Christina Up North, and Robin Carey. Want to hear your name at the end of next week's show? Go to patreon.com slash here in LA and give till it hurts. Also, shout out to our Angelinos. To be an Angelino, all you got to do is pay pal 25 bucks. It's easy. Or more. 
and we will list you on the Here in LA website or our Medium blog forever. You'll also be given a number to denote how early you got in. Number one is Allie Miller, number two, George Wright, number three is Rita Joanne, who I believe is about to celebrate her birthday. Number four is Jason Sutter, five, Grant Houghton, six, Rob Baker, seven, Kev Chang, eight is Brenda Garcia, nine is John Griffiths. Just PayPal your hard-earned cash to busblog at gmail.com. That's B-U-S-B-L-O-G at gmail.com. You know how to spell busblog, don't you? Want to support us, but you are buying super meaty sandwiches in Little Italy? Okay. But you can still help. Post your favorite episode on Facebook. Oh my God, post two. If you posted an episode about San Pedro on your Facebook wall and other people from Pedro saw it, Pedro I mean, if they saw it, they would say, now that is the kind of thing that I like to see on Facebook. Thank you, friend. And if you want, you can tweet something nice about this. Anytime you see me tweet about an episode, you can retweet it. It doesn't hurt. It's just one little clicky poop. Let's let's practice. Click. There you go. And for God's sake, tell your friends. Tell them how Here in LA is spelled and that it's on Apple Podcasts. Christian tells his friends. And look how happy it is. And look how the, the Lord blessed him with a gorgeous wife. Uh, I'm sure he tells them how it's spelled and that it's on Apple and Google and Spotify and Amazon and Pocket Casts and on and on and on and on. It's out there. All you got to do is type it in. Here in LA is produced by myself, Tony Pierce. I guess you already did type it in, which is how you got here. Hmm. Here in LA is produced by me, the babbling Tony Pierce, and a man whose, whose legend is in the hands of his extremely beautiful wife, Jordan Katz. Editing, mixing, and music supervision by Jordan Katz. Songs by Orgone and Jordan Katz. Special thanks to the incredible Cindy for creating the logo. The also incredible Jen for inspiring this. And teachers everywhere who help those of us who need a second chance at school and who are patient and loving and who have hustled to make it to where they are. Don't Don't try. try!